Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is Monday, October 18th. This is the COB podcast here on AusBiz. I'm David Scott. Back He's after back. a couple of months off. Yeah, bludging and uh, spending some time with my family. It's, uh, it's great to be back in the office. And I'm joined today, luckily enough, by Annette <laughs> Beecham, my co-desk buddy. Annette, how's your day? Oh, better that you're back. Someone actually cares enough about macro and markets so I can stop talking to myself and actually talk to somebody who cares. So I'm pleased. And we got you working hard from stand-up. To COB. Yeah, why not? And I love it uh, into my work. So let's uh, let's go and kick off with the days. Look, uh, the market generally just closed flat. Uh, there was a bit of excitement before the start of the session. We saw that big rally on Wall Street, particularly those cyclical areas of the market. Uh, the Dow Jones industrial averaging really outperforming compared to uh, those more uh, longer duration areas of the market, such as the NASDAQ and elements of the S&P 500, but didn't really follow through here locally. Uh, how much do you reckon that was down to that little pesky CPI print that we got from New Zealand <laughs> before the start of trade because that seemed to go and really go and catch a lot of people's attention because it was nearly double what the market yeah. was expecting. Oh, it, it shot the lights out. So I guess to, to walk back for the US stocks, let's face it, it's their earnings season, not ours. Uh, and so the reason why they did well was a you know blockbuster retail sales and you know the earnings season is doing so well. None of that really applies here. But what does apply here is Kiwi CPI is always released ahead of the Aussie one. So quite a few analysts will be teasing out little bits of that Kiwi report and applying it to Australia, whether that's right or not. That's the perception. Uh, the Kiwi number now means two consecutive prints above target and RBNZ was like us. They struggled to meet their target for years and now they've got it in spades. Yeah, I was having a chat with Grant Wilson from Exante Data towards the, uh, the close of the, uh, the, the session today and uh, he was saying that the, uh, the real pressure is going to be on the RBNZ to go and hike 50 basis points when it meets next month. Now, you've got to ask the question, we're sitting here in Australia at the moment, wage growth poultry and inflation's poultry. Uh, there's not a lot of expectation that's going to continue, but is there a risk that we might actually start getting drawn up in this global space because we have the Bank of England talking about raising rates. We've mm-hmm. got several members of res- uh, the Federal Reserve talking about raising rates next, next year. year as well. Yep, absolutely. That really gives a sense to a changing and a rapidly changing environment when it comes to uh, these, uh, these rate markets and the implications for asset prices. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, we've, we've had mixed communication from the RBNZ. Anyone who's been watching it as long as we have knows they're a little bit erratic when it comes to forward guidance. We do know they talked about 25 or 50 the first time around in August snap lockdown which I hasten to add is still going on another two weeks extended in Auckland was announced 
today. But Hawksby has walked back that 50 basis points a few times, just saying that during times of COVID, maybe uh, smooth and steady may be the course. But having said that, that was a blockbuster CPI report. Domestic inflation is running at four and a half. Now, we can't do anything about energy prices, but they can deal with prices relating to housing and they are rising quarter after quarter after quarter. What just says as to where this ends up, because at the moment we saw the equity market reaction, particularly in the States, you know, there was not a lot of concern when it came to that, you know, that quite pronounced move in the rates market, like a big sell-off for the short end of the curve and longer end of the curve as well. At what point do you think it's going to start becoming problematic? The guests that you've spoken to recently, what have they been sort of giving you a sense? Is it, is it a problem yet or will it be eventually down the line? I'm still amazed at how many transitory camps there have been in recent weeks. Now, even Jerome Powell said that these supply constraints are lasting longer but there's still constraints that will ease at some stage and of course you know we were standing here in February March watching that sort of the market meltdown with the jump in yields well yields are back where they were then and we haven't seen that market dislocation it's almost like they want Chair Powell to come out and say no we don't mean it we're not going to hike rates so it, it we're still a couple of headlines away from having a bigger correction than we had in september yeah we saw that uh when markets don't I mean, rates markets particularly they move quite rapidly high it does have a pronounced uh, impact on equity markets so you've got to wonder what's going on because the the move it's not not been a dislocation by any stretch of the imagination but it has been quite pronounced and so of course equity markets don't like that flicking higher the yield curve particularly those are uh, more growth orientated uh, areas of the market which probably takes us nicely to what koshi has been looking for because there is probably a slightly greater than usual risk that we mm-hmm. might go and see a, you know, some kind of shock and actually see quite a decline in equity markets. So continuing with these stocks for a crash series. So uh, Koshi sat down today with Francesco Stratus from Audminet and David Novak from Worthwise Education to go get their views as to which particular stock they'll be looking to go and buy should the market tank. Um, so I like infrastructure stocks uh, in, in that sort of environment because the asset values uh, don't change a great deal, um, and, and um, yeah, they can be earnings can be fairly um, fairly stable for them. So so ultimately, uh, you know, infrastructure stocks like Transurban, ATA, and the like um, would be you know something for my portfolios that act as defensive um, assets. Look, I, it's hard to go past Collins Food, uh, David. If you look at Collins Food and their growth, you know, going back to 2012. Share price was just over a dollar, and here it is today over thirteen dollars. They've got a really good growth outlook. Um, you know, they're a little bit pricey up here on, on the earnings multiple, so that's why I would be, you know, certainly if there was a, a crash, that would be one of the stocks that would be on my radar. There you go, David Novak, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, Collins well, Foods. During a recession, you've still got to get your goodies. So Collins Food, it is. I know my mates are doing their best to go and help the earnings for that particular <laughs> company. Uh, look, uh, moving ahead, as we always do, we uh, have a chat with Julia Lee on Monday to go and get a sense as to what uh, her views of the markets. Lots of M and A activity today. Mm. Uh, Superloop, Hub Twenty Four, among some of the names that are you know, that are taking place. And uh, look, continuation. But despite that, not a lot of reaction in the market. It's got to be said, at least like the headline level. Now, how much? You do you reckon that was because of what was going on in China today? Of course, we got that GDP uh, reading out uh, for Q3, about half what the market was expecting when it comes to the growth rate. The monthly data, with the exception of retail sales, is a bit soft as well. Is it, is it time to be concerned about China? 
It, I guess it is because, you know, we've been talking about Evergrande for weeks, contagion, tall poppy syndrome, billionaires are not welcome in China. So this is the first time we've seen some data to actually trade on. This is September quarter. GDP data was supposed to ease to 5.2 instead. Had a four-handle. Now, 4.9 isn't a lot different to 5.2, but I think just seeing that four-handle certainly spooked the markets. That was lunchtime today, and that would have weighed on the market industrial production absolutely crashed i'd say a full percentage point weaker than what the markets were looking for all part of that go slow strategy that uh the chinese government is engineering so yeah it just reminded us that you know they're not our number one booming economy anymore yeah that uh, energy rationing also evident in some of the industrial data as well but one thing is strange now i'm Correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, but uh, bad data is good is what the market's man- mindset's <laughs> been when it comes to soft economic data for a long period of time, pretty much since the GSE. But the, uh, the, the, the metals markets in China, the futures markets, all rebounded quite strongly. We saw that uh, no coal, uh, we saw that coke, you know, coal futures as well, coke yeah. futures uh, were all doing pretty well. But there was just a broad-based buying and, of course, Brent prices as well. Yeah. Uh, topping 86 bucks, it's, uh, no, it's, it's less than a dollar away from our hitting levels not seen since 2013. So what's, what's going on with that commodity yeah, side of the equation? It's tough for commodities because what's ringing in everybody's ears is, I don't know, was it last week, early last week, that uh, before, actually before going on their Golden Week holiday, I should say, that China was ordered to buy up everything at all costs in order to get through what could be a harsh winter. And I think that's still ringing in the ears of, uh, of commodity traders as well, trying to keep prices up. I think whenever we spoke to people about China boosting the economy with stimulus, the answer is no. Even the PBOC governor over the weekend saying policy settings are about right. So I think trading to look for policy stimulus is misguided at this stage. Yeah, old habits die hard. Uh, look, on that particular topic, uh, Carl Capolingua, a big fan favourite here uh, on the program. He went and gave his material madness special today during the interview. <laughs> Always great to go and chew the fat, particularly from a technical perspective of how some of these look. You take some of the, uh, no, the, the more fundamental uh, no, factors out of the equation, just look purely at the price just action. The charts, it, yeah. can, it can actually go and be quite insightful and go and strip out some of that emotion aside as well. Also had a good chat uh, with Rom Shangar from Tamam Asset Management. He uh, went and gave three stocks prime for an upgrade. Now, we've seen a lot of upgrades over the past, I don't know, six months or so, but mm-hmm. now it becomes a bit more difficult. So any of those particular names uh, out there that can go and upgrade from here will undoubtedly go and perform pretty well, you would expect. Okay, take a listen, because as we know, there was a while there where no one could find any buys because the market was so rich, but quite a few of the broker moves have been due to that September correction, give or take your view on whether that was a correction or not, but it did bring a lot of share prices back into line or cheaper. Yeah, we have seen quite a bounce. We're interested to see whether that can be sustained this week. It's a bit of a lighter economic week when it comes to data. It's dead. But, uh, so it <laughs> makes, you, makes you wonder whether it's going to be central bank speak, which has pretty much been driving things, has been for for a while now but I know a reaction to these rates market moves and are we going to see some mm. central bankers push back or we're going to go and see them confirming what the markets are thinking about well potentially we will go and see policy action to go and curb the potential for an completely strong uplift in inflation expectations well I wish the RBA was speaking this week we get the minutes tomorrow but as you know that's just a, a printed document because Aussie OIS so the short end is now pricing in two rate hikes next year despite 
Philip Lowe pushing back time and time and time again. And of course, that got a lift today with that Kiwi CPI report as well. So even though no one's really expecting the RBA to do anything until February, I think their job is going to just keep talking that back down. It's too much too soon. Yeah, it just seems too preemptive to me. Like, I, I would love to see rate increases more than anyone because it's a sign that I know economic conditions it's are strengthening. Better. I don't want to yeah. go and see rates increase because of a supply side shock, particularly in energy markets, which mm. can be, when it comes to crude oil, like change at a flick of a switch. Away. OPEC could just go and say, oh, we're going to go and open the gushes and uh, there we go. And that uh, that will go and solve that Energy issue. Energy so prices sell. Re- re- really interesting space at the moment. That's, get, that's getting a lot of attention. One thing that I don't think is getting enough attention, this is my uh, first view in a couple of months, uh, having sat back and uh, just had a more holistic view of what's going on. No one's really talking about you know, what the next sort of six months looks like in the Northern Hemisphere. Now, for the first time, we're going to get a taste as to mm-hmm. living with COVID during what is going to be the period of the year where it's most acute when it comes to uh, infection levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm super keen to go and figure out uh, what it's going to be like living with COVID. It's going to give us a good lead indicator for us here in Australia well, for well, next year. Well, certainly all talk last week that Singapore at 80% plus went back into lockdown. So I don't see the UK going down that far, but it, we need to see cases, deaths, hospitalizations. So that might be a litmus test for us as yeah, we get through the it, season. Absolutely. It's going to be really key when it comes to whole gambit of mm. corporate earnings, what's going on, economic activity. Now, will we see a big increase in cases and hospitalizations uh, and deaths, or will we see the, uh, the vaccinations go and hold their own and healthfully prevent that uh, big you know, dislocation when it comes to economic yep. activity? I mean, there's nothing wrong with cases. It is the hospitalizations and death so we'll be watching closely to see what that does for activity and that will certainly put the curb on because the, the BOE basically told us last week you should be priced for a hike by year end yeah. admittedly coming from Saunders who's the hawkiest hawk of them all <laughs> but still the market's listening yeah the, well things could change very quickly in this environment so I think there know everyone out there I think would still agree that uh, COVID the pandemic is still the number one game in town so whatever happens in the next few months I think is going to be so influential with what we talk about in calendar year 2022 but that is for another day and mm-hmm. speaking of another day we'll be back on air bright and early on Tuesday bright morning and I look forward to going hopefully joining you again tomorrow to go and round off the trading session hopefully a bit more to go and talk about when it comes to some, uh, some gains of the equity market and of course tomorrow is investor day not too late to sign up I'll be hosting a panel Nadine, Andrew all of your favourites will be running that with a whole host of experts I'm looking forward to talking bond markets with PIMCO so we'll uh, get a sense as to what's going on in those fixed income markets so stick around for that one hopefully you go and sign up and uh, no, look forward to going here you tomorrow. We'll see you then. All right, feed up. See you then. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.